four. Hello, everyone. Yes, it's a, it's a strange day when Papa Bear returns to the roost. My boys are here. Dan, the man, Sebastiano, the smartest man in the room. The happy haberdasher. Daniel, how are you, young squire? Yeah, complain, Angelo. Love the day. Another fun conversation. Dan, try to control your energy here. You're killing me, brother. Benny, how do you do it with him every week? <laughs> it's, it's a learning process. I'm getting there. And, of course, Big Ben Scala, hashtag Scala from Ocala, actually from Newport, Richie, by way of Queens. Is it Queens or is it, or is it the, uh, Long Island? It was Brooklyn and then Long Island. Brooklyn, then Long Island. Okay, I got you. Close enough. Close enough for government. Close enough. Well, we'll, take well you know, normally at this time you would see uh, Dan the Man and Big Ben, and they'd have uh, you know any number of guests with them or uh, or a subject matter. Papa Bear's in the roost tonight because we were scheduled. And I should tell everyone we were scheduled to have Stefan Bonner with us tonight. Uh, Stefan, because of prior commitments, cannot be with us tonight. Um, and he is actually training a class in Las Vegas tonight, and we wish him well. And we will have Stefan back, uh, hopefully shortly, uh, whenever he can get his schedule worked out. So, gentlemen, um, I saw, uh, by the way, kudos on the show uh, with Javier Hoist. Uh, that was a really interesting show. I don't know if I agree with everything that you talked about. Being the old guy, I have a different perspective. But I, I think it was interesting. Dan, you did a, a really good job of uh, keeping the conversation flowing. I liked it. I liked the topical subject matter. Um, and I actually got involved for a half a second as a fan going, now, wait a minute, you guys. That's not quite. <laughs> and, and my fan came out, which, by the way, it hasn't happened in a really, really long time. So. What are you learning, Dan and Benny, about um, about what it is that I do every week and have done every week? Is, uh, are you finding it's uh, an adventure for you? Uh, are you learning from the old man, or are you trying, trying to forge your own way? Um, well, I mean, it's... <clears throat> Try to stay awake, Dan. Keep I up with the coffee. conversation, no, brother. No, it, it's definitely a... Uh, Benny's got you, coffee. You learn coffee. as you go. Um, but yeah, Benny and I are definitely trying to, you know, carve carve our own path. And obviously, with the uh, with the focus on wrestling and your very public opinion on on the current product, you know, we we kind of have to sort of go in a different direction. But has it been <laughs> that obvious <laughs> that the product today sucks, Donkey Cock? It's horrible. <laughs> it's fucking god awful. You know, I don't, you know, uh, here's the thing. And, you know, I'm, I don't offer my opinions normally. I'm a very shy person. Um, I've noticed that, yeah. Yeah. Um, see, Benny knows because he knows, he knows the essence of me because I'm an right. East Coast guy. It's the old, guy. old man Italian thing. <laughs> exactly. So we're very conservative. We don't say too much. Um, but I'll tell you what, and it really bothers me, though, what... Can we just talk about Goldberg and Drew McIntyre? Oh, yeah. um, because my understanding from watching that show, and you've like floored me, Dan, when you you put forward the narrative, and it's not really a narrative at this point, 
that Drew McIntyre, his opponent is Bill Goldberg. Yeah, that's the. Uh, <clears throat> can we? Can you walk me through this one? What brainchild well, came up with this piece of shit? It's. I mean, this it, clever angle. It stemmed from the uh, first time. Raw. Raw did a Legends show, and the finale with all the Legends standing on stage waving and everything. Uh, Goldberg came out and got in McIntyre's face. You know, typical. You kids can't keep up with us. Pushed him down. Challenged him for the title. Of course, they they couldn't really follow up because that later that week, it was announced that Drew McIntyre tested positive for COVID. So he's been doing all his video promos and anybody that's that's watched wrestling knows it's it's hard to keep interested when both people are talking via satellite <clears throat> uh it has been suggested benny scala hashtag scala from ocala it's been suggested big ben that the whole covid angle was a work because of the timing of it um goldberg calling out the uh the younger, more inexperienced generation, uh, and then all of a sudden, this young guy uh, being tested positive for, for COVID, there there are people, you know how the wrestling minds work. Everything's uh, everything's a work. Of course. Um, Big even bro. when it's a shoot, it's a work. So I just, I think wrestling fans are stupid and just like to say the word work and shoot because uh, it makes them sound smart. And they're not. So, Benny, talk to me about, you know, um, what the validity of this COVID angle. Is it a uh, is it a legit angle? I mean, is it like for real or are they working something here that nobody knows about? Just my opinion. I, I think it's legit that he's he got tested positive. Um, and I, I, you know, Dan and I mentioned it last week. You know, he should be able to recuperate in time to still wrestle Goldberg. My whole thing with Goldberg is like, I mean, do you really have to scrape the bottom of the barrel like that? I mean, I, I I'm a big baseball fan, and you know Barry Bonds is about Goldberg's age, and I you know get Barry Bonds is not going to face Clayton Kershaw and hit one in the Covey Cove. It's just yeah. not going to happen. He's going to he might get a foul tip. I mean, by the way, Benny, let me interrupt you for a minute because I haven't done it in so long. Dan's um, smiling now. Shut up, Dan. <laughs> yeah, I got Dan <laughs> smiling now. It's just nice to see you interrupt someone who's not me. There you go. See that? Look, I'm an equal... Uh, I'm, equal what opportunity interrupt. Yes, I'm an equal opportunity conversation hog. Absolutely. So here's the thing. The baseball references. You're using a lot of them here lately, and uh, I'm watching these shows. Um, in fact, you did a whole Manscaped commercial with a baseball theme. Uh, I, I loved it, by the way. Right here. I popped huge. It was hilarious. So you make an interesting point, equating it to baseball. Um, and there are, you know, let's be honest about it. There are similarities between, uh, oddly as it may sound, there are similarities between wrestling and baseball. Um, and so you make the, the comparison. Um, let's talk about why. Of all the people they could have scraped the bottom of the barrel with, why Goldberg? What is it about Big Bill that uh, that is appealing uh, besides nothing, in my opinion? Talk to me, Ben. I think you just answered your own question. Nothing. Exactly. You know, and so why? Why this guy? 
That's a good question. I mean, put your wrestling mind on. You're a fan. And and let me say for the record, and I got to put this out there. And God bless Ben Scala. Big Ben Scala, uh, hashtag Scala from Ocala, is the the quintessential super wrestling fan. This guy, if if there's a wrestling post on Facebook, Benny's name is in the comment section. I'm I want it like a hobo and a ham sandwich, right? I don't care if it's in the top of the section or in the bottom, but you I got them see. all. Benny Scala's name is somewhere. Okay, I wish, and I'm gonna put this out there. I wish I had that enthusiasm again. I used to be you. You, I'm gonna tell you something scary. This it's gonna scare Dan the man really, really a lot. Uh-oh. <laughs> it's gonna scare the shit out of Dan the man. But I'm a lot more like Benny than even Benny knows right now. Because I was that guy. I was Benny. I was the guy. Before I got into the business, I was the fan. I loved being a fan. I would love to be a fan again. But this stuff sucks, guys. What's going on? Dan, the man, talk well, to me. I'll, I'll admit, you know, it, it's the, uh, how's that, that old saying about fool me once and everything, uh, fool me twice. There's moments, and Benny and I talked about it on the show, I've really enjoyed the products SmackDown's been putting out recently. Um, NXT's been different but you know still very entertaining i haven't really i'm still behind on AEW. i can only catch parts of it with the but every once in a while it seems like okay maybe raw's on to something maybe they can they can do something with this and then right. just yet yesterday as of this recording they had a segment they tried to do a comedy bit they had some actor come out in a wig pretending to be drew mcintyre they brought Dwayne gill back with the gilberg character which by the way he just recovered from a heart attack back what in november i'm pretty yeah. sure he should stay as far away from a covid positive building right. as as he should but and, and it was stupid and it was just bad and i mean bad and i'm looking I was at it hoping it's like, that you would bring that up dan i did catch that and thought to myself boy uh Oh, you know, Dwayne Gilbert. You know, <laughs> I, I remember the character. It was a great gimmick. The Gilbert character was brilliant. But let's be honest about it. You know, Dwayne, unless he really, really needs the money that badly, should stay as far away from the wrestling business as possible. Forget <laughs> right. about, you know, even the, the, the idea of a COVID-positive building. He needs to stay away from wrestling. He had his time... God bless him. He made his mark. And, you know, go back to teaching school or whatever it is that you do. But stay away from wrestling. Um, my sense, fellas, is that uh, that he needed the money. Uh, and it's it's hard to say no when they're throwing, you know, thousands of dollars at you. Penny, you look like you got something to say. You know... I, I think you should say the same thing for Goldberg. He should stay home. What What is he doing there? I'm sure he doesn't need the money, or at least I don't think he needs the money. Well, he does maybe, need the money, actually. Maybe he does. Okay. Yeah, but, he does. You know, there, there's always been nostalgia in wrestling. It's always been a huge part of wrestling. But, mm-hmm. you know, and it's nice to bring guys back that you haven't seen for a while. But I think when you when you cross the line from nostalgia and now you're, you're considering this guy a viable entity, I, I can't buy it. And that's the problem, Ben. 
That's the problem. That's been the problem. Dan and I have discussed it ad nauseum. Uh, mm-hmm. The believability, the viability, right. the attainability. Uh, how do you sustain a product that's dying before your eyes? There are people, smart people, and I mean really smart people, like Jim Cornette and Vince Russo, guys who have been in the trenches, who are saying there will not be wrestling in the next five to seven years. That what you know as wrestling is dead, done, gone, never coming back. You won't even recognize the ring. There won't be a ring. There'll be some kind of uh, futuristic, uh, whatever the hell you want, you know, like a, roller, a la rollerball. Yeah. Right. You know, Dan knows where I'm going with that. You know, you know what I mean? You won't even recognize it. It's not, it's not a wrestling show. I don't know what it is. Dan, what kind of show are we watching? It's not. Uh, that's the, that's the, which, what we've mentioned on the show many, many times in the past is sports entertainment and i think something that that you mentioned Cornette, that he's brought up before is vince mcmahon always saw himself as a television producer not a wrestling promoter and now with the with the empty empty crowds and and the the thunderdome and all these things they can produce television shows and not these are these are choreographed television shows and not wrestling events and, and I think how many pro- times have you and I went through this, Dan? We sure have. Yep. We've talked that nauseum about this. It's uh, it's to the point now of, you know, either depending on how you look at it, either overtly ridiculous or blatantly disrespectful to your audience. And I happen to think it's both. I think it's overtly obvious. That it's a mockery of what was a great sport, number one. Number two, I think that they are taking their core audience, their fan base, and taking a giant shit on them. I think they're disrespecting their audience at an unprecedented level. You've never seen such utter disrespect by a wrestling company as WWE, but in fairness, because there's enough blame to go around, AEW is doing a pretty good job of shitting on their audience too. They're not out of the uh, out of the equation here. I'm not crazy right. about those guys. And you know, Dan, and I've said it on the show before. I don't know if Denny was around to hear it prior, but I uh, I held out great hopes for AEW, and I've said it many times. I thought they were going to save wrestling. And they become just another casualty. Benny, put your uh, put your wrestling fan hat on. If you're the guy and you have the ability to change things up, make things different, what are you doing? What's the first thing you're doing? You know, I don't know. Maybe I can answer that with an analogy. I, I, you know, I, I, if I had a time machine or say I was in 1975. I just give me a baseball reference, Benny. Well, this is going to be a wrestling reference. So I'm in 1975. I just watched Bruno beat Waldo von Erich at Madison Square Garden. I hop into a I hop into a time machine, and I I, you know I travel to the year 2021, and I see this Orange Cassidy guy with his hands in his pockets 
kicking somebody in the shins. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> so, yeah. I, it's not for me, you know. I mean, if, yeah. if wrestling does go in the next five years, I'm gonna die an old man watching YouTube, watching the old Memphis territory and the old, you know, the old Capital Wrestling shows. I, I just I can't connect myself to it. I should tell people again, and, and I always preface, I caveat everything by saying, in the interest of full disclosure, because I want people to know what we talk about when we're not on the air. And we did actually meet yesterday, me and the guys, and I gave them some names and phone numbers of some legends. Those legends are dying at an alarming rate. And I would hope and pray that Dan, because you are, I, I put you at the helm here, I would hope that you would call as many of those people as possible and get them booked to preserve their story and their history because they are dying at an alarming rate. Their stories are, are going away and they'll never be told by the original source. Right. People like Terry Funk, people like Tiger Conway, people like, um, oh God, uh, well, even our buddy uh, Scott Casey or Eddie Mansfield or uh, Hillbilly Jim. Um, you know, guys like guys like this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have uh, we have. Fortunately, I have a lot of goodwill with the wrestling community because I've been around a long time and I've I've always been straight up with people and I've been uh, been honest with them. That's how I was able to acquire the, the you know the the sheer amount of phone numbers that I have. You know, and my people would kill for my Rolodex of wrestling names. <laughs> um, but it doesn't do you any good if you can't get these guys on to talk. We have had some amazing legends on this program. And here we are talking about Orange Cassidy kicking somebody in the shins. Where have we devolved into? And, and Jim Ross putting it over, for God's sake. That's that's. And Jim part. Ross is a fucking dinosaur whose best days were 30 years ago and should fucking stay there. Don't get me started with that slobber knocker piece of shit. Jim Ross is a scumbag. And I'm going to call him out on this show. Jim, said, I hope you're watching. Yet. You're a scumbag. He said, forget about Dick the Bruiser while this idiot's, you know, kicking somebody in the shins. Like, have you lost your mind? Yeah, he's lost his fucking mind. He's an ass white. Fuck him. Uh-huh. Fuck Jim Ross. He must be getting a nice payday is all I can say. And fuck Tony Khan for paying him. Right. That's another scumbag. Get me started with him. Essentially, and this is why I left. This is why... I, I had to leave my own show, okay? think I want you to think about this. I left my own show. The show that me and Jeff DeRef started. To preserve the history of wrestling, because there is no more wrestling. It's dead. It's done. It's gone. It's over. It's never coming back. People will never come back to a wrestling show, never. It's not going to happen. 
And somebody, me, I need to be the voice of reality, the voice of hard reason. And I'm sorry, but I got to say it like it is. It's done. It's dead. It ain't coming back. Wrestling's over. And not in, it's not over in a good way either. It's over. It's done. Tell me why you're wrong. Why you think I'm wrong, Dan or Benny? Well, I, it's it's not that I think you're wrong in the sense of wrestling as I grew up watching it, and I'm younger than you guys. I know you guys watched a lot, you know, a lot different. I saw the tapes and watched the territories. I'm old enough to remember having two territories on two different channels when I would watch wrestling, and. and that what I saw the 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 real sport the contests the announcers treating it like it was a real sport the the local paper covering the results of a local show exactly ESPN breaking, the newspapers you know, used to cover it right early early days of ESPN having wrestling highlights in their top ten plays of the week you know mm-hmm. um, it, the the idea of it being treated equally and fairly and and accepted like that is gone that's done uh, nothing will ever change that no matter how nope. back to re- back to sports you go ring of honor is, has done it or is trying to early a uh, before power went away what what was happening with the nwa um you know, yeah i think to say it's it's gone is not wrong but you're still going to have a hundred. You know, once you open up stadiums again, you're going to have a hundred thousand people at WrestleMania every year. Your AW, you're still going to be able to book the random celebrity who will do anything they want for money. Um, yeah, I think sports entertainment isn't going away anytime soon. I think you know, you, obviously the USA is mad at Raw's ratings, but Fox is ecstatic with what SmackDown's given them. So, I mean, you. you that's it's hard to say there'll be thought. nothing, but yes, wrestling as you as we know it, as I grew up watching, that's never coming back. Here is what cinched it for me, and it was watching you guys on this show with Javier Hoist. When Javier, who was a wrestling purist by nature, and a really, really smart, not only smart, but smartened up fan can look into that camera and say it breaks his heart what he's watching that's enough for me and he's a young guy he's and not he's an old a guy. young guy he's right. 40 what 40 what's he 42 yep 42 when he can look into this camera and and look at those people and say it breaks my heart to have to sit through this then you need to wake up. You need to take stock and you need to understand that what he's saying is coming from a purist standpoint. He's got nothing to gain. He's a fan. He writes about what he sees. So much to the point that what he sees, he can't write about. Right. He's writing about stuff that of days going by. Absolutely. Yeah. Because there's just, nothing so to write about today. What do you write about? Orange Cassidy had a really nice pair of jeans on the night. Right. Nice sunglasses. You know? He's got a great pair of Ray-Bans on. You know? What do you write about, Benny? 
I, I can't. I mean, everything I write is from, you know, at, at the latest, maybe the late 70s. Not much to write about after that. That's my point. You know, and I'm thinking to myself, I either did the, the smartest thing in the world, bowing out and keeping my mouth shut, or maybe I need to come back and start shaking things up again. And Dan is shaking in his boots right now. He's going, oh, God, please no. Oh, please no. <laughs> I promise you, Dan, I'm not coming back anytime soon. All right, listen, here's the thing, though. And, and it really, that was a wake-up call. When Javier had that conversation with you, and, and, and Dan, tell me if, if, I, if I heard this right, and maybe Benny chime in, but did he tell the audience that there was a wrestling show in Florida where they had to sit in their cars? Yeah. I it, I did that, are you kidding me? I, I don't know if that was Florida, but I remember seeing pictures. They had the um, they had it set up like an old, like the old uh, drive um, drive through yeah. drive through drive ins. Oh, and, like an old drive in movie. Yeah, and, and you just oh saw God. handfuls of cars. Now, granted, there were a lot of people in the crowd sitting on their cars, on the hood of their car, on the roof of their car. You know, but that's how they social distance was by keeping the cars in their spaces. Kind of like the uh, the pictures coming out of the a the AW shows. Where you, it literally looks like little rings around the ring, and there's three or four people standing in each section of rope. Now, here is where, here is where my, you know, my contemporary mindset might kick in. I think it borders. I it depending on the viewpoint you come from. It's either a, a stroke of mad genius. And it really is kind of like, you know, throwback to the drive-in. Or it is the most utterly sad commentary on wrestling ever. And I can make the point, and I, I could do it off the top of my head. I can make the point for both of them. Given the day and the time that we live in, given the fact that, you know, social distancing, whatever, that's another word for fascism and Marxism, but that's another show. Um, social distancing is bullshit, but in the context of a wrestling show, if you're going to, to use the term social distancing and, um, insert vehicle for people, that might work. It might give you uh, kind of this nostalgic sense of this is what we used to do on Fridays and Saturday nights. We used to hang out at the drive-in. Some of us actually watched the movie too. Yeah. Uh, some of us went there for the popcorn, yeah. and some of us went there to get laid and make out. Most of them went to get laid and because <laughs> there was cheaper than getting the hotel room at five bucks a carload. So, but I can make the argument that yeah, is it a throwback? It could be, and I. If I put my, my fan hat on, I might could actually enjoy it. But then I think to myself, look at all of these people and what they've done to this sport and how they're prostituting this sport. And then I, I shake my head and my heart breaks. 
because it's again it 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 brings me to my the essence of who I am. I'm a fan, and I want to be a fan again. And it's hard to wrap my head around that. Not only as a fan, but it's hard to intellectually wrap my head around that. I don't understand what what you gain by destroying the business that's paying you. And by the way, just so you guys know, and so I smarten you up a little, the wrestling business is paying out today. Three times what it's taking in. It's Vince McMahon et al., meaning Tony Khan and all these other companies, on average are spending three times the amount out that they're taking in. They're losing sponsorship money. They're bleeding sponsorship money out the ass. No one... Thank God that we have a sponsor on this show who likes us and likes what we do. Because you'd be hard-pressed to even have Manscaped as a wrestling sponsor now. They'd be afraid to spend their money there. Luckily, we don't take their money. But they do things for us that you can't pay for. You know? Um, and we'll talk about that at the end of the show when Benny does the spot. Um, Dan, so tell me, where do you think, where does the conversation need to go to bring it back to wrestling? Well, the, the, the key is going to be imitation and evolution. And you have, and by that, I mean, ring of honor a uh, NWA when some of these shows start really picking back up again when the crowds mm-hmm. come back and NWA can start running power assuming they have the money to and and Ring of right. Honor which has transitioned back to sports if those become successful almost in the way that early WWF copied some of the territory ideas because they saw what was making other people money yeah uh, that might help and you hate to say it you never want to look at something through you know the eyes of evolution but vince mcmahon be it him eventually retiring or be it his death his when he finally gets his hands off the product i think things will pick up a little bit in that you look at stuff like nxt some of the side projects that have been very successful and mainstream successful have all been shit he's had nothing to do with. He's the one... And you just said something that I have said, and you've heard me say it on this show many times. Wrestling will only survive if Vince McMahon doesn't. And that's the the essence of it. Right. Vince McMahon has to... Unfortunately, he has to either walk away with his head held high, prideful that he did a, a great job, of building a billion-dollar company and walk away and say, you know what, It's now I, I leave it to you kids. He'll never do that. Yeah, he, no, can't, not. he can't do that. He is such a narcissist in the, in the purest form of that word. Look it up, because I looked it up. And, and it's not, it goes beyond ego. This man is a true narcissist. And he's an egotist on top of it. 
it's going to take his death. And I, and like I said before, Dan, I've said it, Benny, on the show. I, I hope he lives to be a hundred. I really do. But not, um, not associated with wrestling. Yeah, it, as as long if he can walk away with his held with his head held high, and say, you know, this I give this to you now to to run with. Mm. Then, then there's a chance for wrestling salvation. Because I think if you give it to Paul and Stephanie, I think Stephanie is far more in line with her husband than her father, quite frankly. Right. Because I don't think Stephanie drank the Kool-Aid. Um, but Vince is swimming in fucking Kool-Aid. Um, but yeah, Vince is going to have to go away one way or another. However, that happens, he's going to have to go away for wrestling to survive. Uh, the other uh, thing that needs to happen for wrestling to survive, Tony Khan needs to take his money, invest it in his Jacksonville Jaguars football team, buy another stadium, but get the fuck out of the wrestling business. Because you, sir, and I want you to watch me. If you're out there, Tony, and this is a direct message to you. You're not doing yourself, your fans, or your friends any favors by being a money mark. We all know daddy's got billions. We all know you made your billions. God bless you. I hope you continue to make billions of dollars. But don't do it at the expense of my sport. Okay? Because you're killing my fucking sport. You're no longer a fan. You're an owner. Okay? And there's a big difference between owning a company and being supportive of a company. And right now, Tony, you're neither. Because quite frankly, it's daddy's money. And let's be honest about it. It's daddy's money. It's not yours. Um, and I want to put it, and, and I'll, I'll put this out. If anyone out there knows Tony Khan, show him this show. And tell him he's got an open invite to appear with me anytime he wishes. As well as JR, right? Absolutely. I'll bring look, I've I've interviewed JR before. And I'll I'll say this in candor. I shared a joint with JR in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. It was at the NWA's 50th anniversary, Cauliflower Alley Club's 30th anniversary. They merged their conventions in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, 1999. JR and myself and Harley Race went out back and smoked a joint. Mm. There you go. It's out there. I think, too. And it happened. Something something that, that is missing greatly and has been for many years in wrestling is the megastar. Um. If I can quote a, a old friend of the show who's been on before, um, Vince Russo said after the um, after Raw that he that there was a bit for a little bit of history. If anybody hasn't watched the show, uh, last week's Raw ended with Randy Orton getting a fireball in the face. This week's Raw, he showed up and he had the burn mask on, and you could see the the red under the mask and everything. Um, and he. In, in cutting his promo, declared himself for the Rumble. And Vince Russo said that he, if 
back in the day, if I had gone up to Stone Cold and said, okay, you're injured, you're bandaged, the very first thing you're going to do is go out there and declare yourself for the Rumble, Stone Cold would have punched me in the face and walked off. And yeah. that's the problem is you don't have anybody today. I mean, the last one you had was John Cena, but he was kind of hit and miss with the, the megastar clout to say, no, this is stupid. I'm not doing this. And that's why you have your your Bobby Lashley's and your your big names who could easily carry a company doing stupid backstage bullshit. Bobby Lashley couldn't carry a jock. Well, what I what I mean is, is he he's, he's not got no talent. A whatsoever. He's a big muscle head. He's a beautiful looking guy to look at. Okay. He is an absolute Adonis. And I'll give him that. He's got an amazing body. He's terrific if you're a bodybuilder. But he can't fight. You're, you're making can't him out wrestle. to be. You're making him out to be a Lex Luger. He he can compete. Uh, he can do some of the time. His his success in MMA shows some of his technical ability. His success in no, MMA. <laughs> no no promo work. His limited. You caveat it. His limited success in MMA because he had a limited run in MMA. Let's be real clear about it. I follow wrestling and I follow MMA. Bobby Lashley had a limited, albeit successful, run in MMA. Again, the company that didn't know what they had or what to do with them. If I have Bobby Lashley, I'm going to make him a pretty boy. I'm going to make him a, a face. I'm going to have him kissing babies. I'm going to have him taking pictures. I'm going to have him doing everything. I, he's going to be the anti-Buddy Rogers. Okay? He's going to do everything opposite of what Buddy would have done back in the day. Okay? And Benny knows what I'm talking about. Because he's old like me. <laughs> Older. But, but here's you know. the thing, though. It, the problem is, and there's, only, there's many problems. But one of the problems is there are, and I agree with you, Dan, there are no megastars. There also are no characters anymore. That's, yes. That's something that Cornette, you want, very rarely are you going to find Jim Cornette and Vince Russo agree on anything. But they do agree on this. There needs to be characters in wrestling. That's what professional wrestling was built upon. Well, it was predicated upon characterization. Angela, do you remember Crusher Verdue? I'm sure you do. I remember him very well. Absolutely. Okay. Crusher Verdue was an amazing character. The guy was, well, he wasn't so much a character. He was a tree. He was as tall as he I mean, was tall, Benny. Let's be honest about it. But he, I mean, he couldn't talk and he couldn't wrestle, but. He didn't need to. Right. Thank you. Because he had Captain Lou Albano. Who put him over? Thank and, you. And sold out Madison Square Garden, nineteen thousand people, two months in exactly. a row. Exactly. The guy who could barely even walk, you know. And exactly. I think I think the problem and is the raw materials are there. They just don't know how to mix everything together to get the finished product. You have, and you're 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 partly right. You're partly right. The then that's that's a a a major part of the equation. The other part of the equation. And, and, and I don't know if you'll ever get it back. 
is guys like Lou Albano or Ernie Roth or Slick or Jim Cornette. Guys like that. The the late Bobby Davis we just lost. Guys like that who never had to wrestle after they wrestled because their mouth kept them working. Mm -hmm. That's an element of the wrestling product that if you brought that element, if you just brought that element back alone, just the managerial aspect, you'd have a vastly, greatly different product. You would have a product that people would turn just to see what somebody was going to say. When Lou Albano came on with the Mongols, you knew that Lou wasn't going to wrestle, but you'd watch because what was he going to say? Who was yeah. he going to piss off? Was he going to try and get under somebody's skin? You know? Yeah. He was going to build, you know, back then, the way they made their money was to sell tickets. And that was, that was, Lou was a salesman. Lou made That's you want to it. take your hard-earned money and buy a ticket to that match. Because well, you want to Larry see maybe him get Disco came on the show and told us, Benny. Larry said if we didn't sell tickets, we didn't eat. Right. And I think that's part of the problem, Angela. I think that's the, the whole business model is flawed now because these guys are fat cats. They got guaranteed contracts. Thank you. You know, back in the day, you know, at the end of the night, and uh, you know this way better than me, but these didn't these guys, like, you know, they went up to the promoter and based on the house, they got paid so much money. For the night, they got. I'll tell you what the what the payoff was. And here's the pay structure back in the Worldwide Wrestling Federation, circa 1970. This is how, and and, and it was like this until right around '84. I, was say, I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, right around '84. Here was the structure: the champion received 15 percent. Of the overall total gate. Okay. That was his payoff. Okay. He did not get a salary per se. He got 15% of whatever the gate was at any given arena. Madison Square Garden. The Nassau Coliseum. Um, the, uh, the Philadelphia Arena or the Spectrum later. Places like that. The undercard guys, and there are three levels of undercard. You've got the curtain jerk, you've got the mid-carder, and you've got the upper mid-carder. The main eventers, guys like Bruno, Koloff, Morales, okay? All of those guys got percentages because Pedro and Ivan and Bruno could all draw. They knew they were going to make their money because people came to see them. It didn't matter if they wrestled five minutes or went an hour Broadway. If Pedro Morales or Bruno was wrestling at the Spectrum, I went to go see them because I liked watching Pedro wrestle. And I loved watching Bruno wrestle. And I could watch Ivan Koloff wrestle all fucking day long. You'd be hard-pressed to keep me in front of my television for 10 minutes now. But but it goes back to what you just said, though, Angela, too. You know, he Bruno was wrestling a heel. 
The heel was, yeah. was managed by a, a loudmouth manager who, exactly. who built heat for the match so that you right. went to go see Bruno or I, you know, or Pedro. Exactly. And and you had you had too that the manager was key. Even I don't want to say even if they weren't needed, but you had you know Bobby Heenan with with. Mr. Perfect. You had yeah. Jim Cornette with the Midnight Express, or when um, you know at, at, at Jim Cornette when he was with the with you know uh, Ricky Morton. I mean, you had you had managers managing Pete, some of the best talkers in the business. It was just that extra little oomph that yeah. the manager gave the moment. Yeah, and I, Benny, remember I mentioned didn't it. Need the Grand Wizard, but you know it, exactly. I I mentioned it on the show. There were moments I was tuning in. I was buying tickets. I didn't care about. Hulk Hogan or, or you know, I, I, I did, but I didn't want to see them win the match. I wanted to see somebody get their hands on Bobby Heenan. I wanted to see somebody get their hands on Jim Cornette, you know, get their hands on Freddie Blassie. I wanted to see the manager get, get finally get his comeuppance. Jim Cornette was so good, he never had to open his mouth. But when he did, it was gold. Jim right. Cornette could give you the eat, shit, and die look <laughs> and have 20,000 people ready to kill him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All Lou Albano had to do to get a reaction was show up. That's how much heat and that's how much stroke Lou had. He didn't have to do shit but show up. Okay. The Grand Wizard. All he had to do was keep that shit eating grin, that smirk on his face. You couldn't see his eyes. You never saw his eyes. He always had the Dollar General sunglasses. He always had, exactly. <laughs> he always had the Dollar General sunglasses and that turban. All you saw was his mouth. <laughs> but, but in that, you saw the expressive nature. He was very over the top, using his hands. Look at my, you know, doing this. Look at my guy, you know, with right. Superstar Graham at the garden, you know. Feast your eyes, ladies. You know, this kind of stuff. Even the way, like, you know, and before the match, he would take Superstar's vest off and comb his hair. And the fans they were going batshit. Like. Yeah, and here's the thing. And then that's a good point, Benny. And you can you can elaborate on it. They were showmen. That's what's missing. You know, they talk about sports entertainment. Well, here's the thing. Both sport and entertainment are elements of show business. There's no show business left in wrestling anymore. Right. Where's the show? Where's the glitz, the pizzazz, the glamour? Where's the over-the-top characters? Yeah, There's that's, nothing. Well, it's a I, fart I, in church, Dan. And that's you, you see that with some of the big spectacles where you'll have, you know, uh, I think, what was it? I want to say it was Wrestle, WrestleMania 27. Where Triple H and The Undertaker wrestled, and their combined entrances were over 20 minutes. You know, yeah. and it was like, I mean, at that point, you're, yeah, okay, it's pomp and circumstance, but how much are you admitting that you can't put together a product when you have but 10 minute yeah, entrances Dan, leading up to you a know match? What? Think about that, yeah, Dan. That. Those entrances were, where did Dan go? Lost I'm still here. Oh, well, your camera just took a powder, brother. Uh oh. Man, it, yeah. my, my camera must have been a fan of The Undertaker. I heard me talking about go. his entrance. <laughs> I was going to say to you, Dan, since you can still hear me, is that those entrances were a spectacle. 
Right. And that's what people watched wrestling to see the spectacle because Benny, it was all spectacle. Well, I mean, Bruno didn't need an end. Bruno's entrance was about a minute with no music. And, you know, people went crazy. And the garden was sold out. Remember, now here, this is, we're going to talk about this part too. Here you go. You just, you just brought something up, Big Ben. Wrestling. When wrestlers came in with no music, I haven't heard a wrestling entrance theme song ever until probably, I got to say, maybe the mid-1980s, Ben? I, I think uh, Jimmy Valiant was the first one to have an entrance song, I believe. Yeah, the man from New York City. Yeah. Manhattan Transfer. Yep, the Manhattan, the Manhattan Transfer, boy from New York City. Um, it, it was either, it might've been either Jimmy, but I think it was actually, and I think I'm right on this, Ben. I think it was the fabulous Freebirds. Oh, the Leonard Skinner song? Um. Bad Street song. Yeah, no, uh, um, the Bad Street USA. Okay. Yeah. Um, Dan, you still with me? Yeah. Oh, there you are. Okay, cool. Um, that should have restarted. Can you see me? Yeah, we're good. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, we never lost you, by the way. Other than your your camera took a shit, but you're oh, back well. now. Okay, so you heard everything we talked about. Yeah. Um, thoughts. Well, I mean, like uh, Benny was talking about with Bruno's entrance being quick. Um, I I hate to say it, but I remember some of the local shows. The you know the the five hundred people at the Armory or or at the Salvation Army Center or whatever, and those guys didn't have the big pomp and circumstance entrances. Half the time they'd walk out to the ring without any any circumstances at all. The announcer would introduce them both, and then the bell would ring, and that was some of the best wrestling I'd I'd, I'd seen in years. Exactly. You know, you don't need the big the spectacle is told in the ring. I mean, how many times, Angelo, in the last year have you talked about how there's no psychology, there's no storytelling? You know, that's where the, the pomp and circumstance, it doesn't have to be, you know, uh, the, the, the big moments. Now, granted, you can have your, you know, gorgeous George throwing the necklaces, or you can have like, like you talked about with the, you know, the wizard and his, and his hand gestures, and, and you can have the, those moments, but when that's, when that's half the show, you're, you're, all it's lipstick on a pig. You're admitting we can't put the circumstance in the match, so the circumstance has got to be everywhere else. And you are wrong, young squire. And I want to tell you why you're wrong. Uh -oh. Because in doing what they did, in those hand gestures, in those facials, in those long and or short entrances, music or not lies the essence of wrestling psychology. That's where psychology starts. It starts when someone comes through the curtain. That's where wrestling psychology begins. The match doesn't begin in the ring. The match begins in the dressing room when you walk out. Right. That's the match. The wrestler is the wrestler from the time his car pulls into the parking lot to the time his car leaves the parking lot. 
he's on the duty, you know, on the clock. Right. Okay. He's a wrestler from the time he gets there to the time he leaves. Psychology has always been the heart of wrestling. And it breaks my heart that there's no more psychology. You know how painful it was for me to sit on my own show and 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 feel like, you know, I'm wasting my time. To, who am I talking to that these kids aren't going to listen? They're going to do what they want anyway. Right. You know, and we have a lot of people listening to this show. Well, a lot. Remember, remember when we, uh, I think it was the first, uh, I think it was the second time, actually, we had Karen McDaniel on and she talked about the, the the later in life when Wahoo would go to the indie shows, half the talent couldn't give a shit about what he had to say as far as like what to do versus yeah. uh, versus Larry telling Larry Zabisco telling the story that that Pete you know there was uh, in front of the monitors for every match Bruno Luthez they were always watching yeah. always talking oh you there, there was no there's a shut off today that goes to that what we talked about with the megastars there's a big disconnect. Yeah. That you, you have heard. you have people in the wrestling business that their first love isn't the wrestling business. Well, Dan, you you had um, Scott Casey on the show. In fact, you had him on as your guest, and we had him on, on as our guest. I don't know, Benny, if you were on that show. No, or not. it was not. Was not. But remember what Scott said that he would go, you know, and wrestle. He whether he was the first match. Or whatever, wherever he was on the mm -hmm. card, he would look, and there would be standing at the curtain. Luthez would be standing at the curtain. Yep. Bruno would be standing at the curtain. Um, Killer Khan, all of these people from days gone by, Gorilla Monsoon, they'd be standing at the curtain, yeah, watching everybody else's match. Why? Because you can learn from other guys. You pick up a move or a signature hold or whatever. Maybe you, you take somebody's, you know, Bruno's uh, signature move for all intents and purposes was his, you know, over-the-shoulder backbreaker. That was really, you know, and it wasn't fancy. He just, he was a big fucking brute. Certainly looked like it hurt, though. It did hurt. It's Buddy Rogers. Yeah. Bruno picked him up like he was a five-pound bag of potatoes because Bruno was a fucking strong, you know? Right. He picked Buddy up like he was nothing, you know? When a guy can pick up Haystacks Calhoun by one leg and toss him, yeah. you better be careful what you say to that guy because he can hurt you. Well, you know, it, it's funny. I remember years ago being at, at a convention and one of the guests was uh, – Von, Baron Von Raschke, and I love he was the, I love the he was, was doing great. the bit where he would cre he was crushing the fruit. You know, yeah. here was a guy, bald old, probably in his what late fifties at that point in my childhood, maybe maybe older, and he was still right. crushing the apples and you know doing all that bits. Of course, he had. The I want to tell you a little story about Baron Von Raschke. You you heard me mention earlier in the show, smoking a joint with Jr. and Harley Race, right? Baron Von Raschke was at that show. <laughs> okay. Nobody knew it was Baron Von Raschke. Really? No one came up to this. I shouldn't say no one. A handful of people, maybe five, six, seven people, 
actually knew who he was. And the guy's a legend. Yeah. And the guy's a legend. Jim Rashke is an absolute legend and treasure in pro wrestling. And he was a legend hung out, back in the day. I hung out half the day with Jim Rashke. You, you know, it's, it's funny. One of his final convention appearances happened to be in this area. Um, I ran into, when we were setting up, this was before everything opened, I ran into Ivan Koloff. And of course, me, you know, I'm I marked out, and we, you know, I wanted a picture of it, and he was just ecstatic. Somebody had recognized him. He'd been there most of the day, walking Thank around the you. convention center. Nobody, you know, at this point, I mean, he was shorter, hunched, but second I saw him, I was like, oh my god, you know, my wife got the picture, and yeah. you know, he was he was just ecstatic. Somebody knew who he was. Is that where you had that replica of the? Uh, yeah, he yeah. He, he went belt. and cracked the. We we got got the belt out, and we took the picture where he looked like he was going to hit me. Yeah. Yeah. Now, um, that belt that he had, that was actually the replica of, uh, of Bruno's belt that he won from him. 50 years ago but, yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Very, very timely, in fact, that we're talking about it. it was 50 years ago yesterday. So I was about to say 1971. Yep, 19, in Madison Square Garden. And uh, a, a day that shook the world. <laughs> The day, the day Bruno says he thought he lost his hearing because the, the garden became silent. <laughs> and the garden was never silent. Right. Madison Square Garden was a great building, except, except for taking pictures. It was a horrible, horrible building for taking pictures because the lighting sucked in the garden back in the day. They've since stunk a ton of money into it and... It's, you know, it's, it's a mega structure now, but right. back in the day, you know, you, everybody ended up with these blurry, fuzzy Polaroids that horrible, horrible pictures. <laughs> oh, my. So, uh, Benny, um, you heard me mention earlier in the show our friends at Manscaped, but what do we have? Uh, what do we have on tap tonight for our friends? Well, this is a repeat, so I hope everybody doesn't mind. But I'll I'll come up well, with another one next week. To you, but we got new people all right, the time. Right, it is new right. listeners. Yes, yeah, so this, this is going to be new for them. So uh, soon it will be baseball season, and your other half she will be teasing. She'll say, "Hey, babe, want to get to third base? You better be neat and clean in your happy place." <laughs> if you are, she'll come around and ask you to meet her at the mound. Right down the middle for strike one. <laughs> it's a long night. You ain't done. With the lawnmower 3.0, you're in the game. Your figs will be in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> for the seventh inning stretch, you'll stand erect with an awesome package that commands respect. So go to manscaped.com, enter the promo code Wrestling Future, and once again, that's Wrestling Future to receive a 20% discount. So take that dame to the game. Use the lawnmower 3.0 inside your four walls. You'll kiss her between the strikes, but she'll kiss you between the balls. God bless Ben Scala. <laughs> Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Big Ben. By the way, we have, in fact, sold over 100 units for Manscaped Excellent. on this show. Um, they like us, and we love them. And we're going to keep that relationship going as long as we possibly can. Um, we were supposed to have, and I want to address this because it's important. 
We were supposed to have Blue Chew join us as a sponsor. Um, but based on something again, uh, something tied to a political thing, and I'm not going to get into it, but Manscaped, I mean, we will, uh, we will no longer have Blue Chew coming on board. So, and we are mutually okay with that. And we wish them well. Um, but let's get back to wrestling for a little bit. Um, so Dan, we uh, we talked a little bit last night off the uh, off the the show. Mm-hmm. Um, you and Benny and I had our little weekly conversation, uh, the first one we actually had in a while. Um, tell everybody what you got the, what you got planned for some of the future shows, kid. Well, um, our next show coming up, uh, Benny. Uh, I know you were uh, kind of leading the charge on this one. We've got Dominic Danucci talking about. You know, just uh, his, he's a birthday celebration, if I'm to be correct, yes, Benny. Sir. Yep. He'll yes, be sir. 89 on, uh, I think, Saturday. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We, um, you know, get to get to talk to him and, and some of the stories he can tell. Obviously, he's been on the show before, a friend of the program, always good stuff. Uh, the following week, we have author Tim Hornbaker, who's uh, uh, written the just several, several high profile books across sports and wrestling. Uh, Benny, did you get a chance to finish that uh, Buddy Rogers book yet? I'm back. I'm up to about page 200. I will have that book done before Mr. Hornbaker comes on the show. Okay. Hang um, on. Obviously, with some uh, uh, some of the events coming up, Jan- January 31st, I know we talked uh, program January 31st is the is the Rumble, so we'll definitely have a kind of a look back at, at that because that's the annual reset oh, button. Oh, I'm all for excited the, for that one, for Dan. Re- reset button for the WWE Um Oh, I'm but so it, excited for the Royal Rumble. There you go. You sound like we, Pedro Morales there, Angelo. I'm ready for any kind any kind of action. I'm ready for any kind of action, man. Yeah, we had um, also expect in the future, we're going to have uh, Benny and I are going to do maybe a guest or two here or there, but we're going to do a, a kind of a look back at some classic events, be it retro pay-per-views or uh, old uh, just, just, you know, old events, kind of a, a, a woulda, coulda, shoulda, look back at the past. So... We got okay. a lot of stuff, good good stuff coming up. Good. And I should tell people that this week uh, is part two of my conversation with Marianne Howard and Anne Walsh, the authors of this remarkable book, The Shadow of a Base Man. This is, uh, tells the story, the true story of the replacement and death of Paul McCartney. Um Getting a lot of uh, a lot of press, not all good, but I suppose if they're spelling their name right, then it's all good. But uh, this is a 450-page book um, that they signed for me. Wonderful, nice. and it's scary how much Marianne Howard writes like me. <laughs> I can almost read her scribble. Uh-oh. <laughs> But that's a great book, The Shadow of a Base Man. Let me hold it up one more time for the camera. I'm going to plug away, plug away. Hey, on The Shadow of a Base Man. It's a thick book, too. It's uh, 456 pages, actually. Um, so we will have part two of that conversation. Um, we um, We will have next week. Uh, our year or our year and listen to me. Um, the end of our month is going to close out 
in grand fashion. We've got George Anastasia coming back. And he will usher in Mr. John Elite. Sometimes pronounced A-Lite, but it's Elite. Um, George Anastasia will be back with us, uh, Dan, on the January 26th. I know you're looking forward to uh, your conversation with uh, with the George and the Benny. On you're on that show as well. Okay, and yeah. we are all on the show on the 28th with John A. Light. John is a freedom fighter. Now, he is a political activist. Now, he is formerly. The hired gun, literally the hired gun. He was a hitman for John Gotti. Uh, he will talk about his life in and out of the mafia. Um, and we will discuss uh, alternative uh, various and sundries incarnations of the mob and mafia. From the Italians to the Irish to the Greeks to the Albanians to the the, the you name it because every culture has their their rendition of the mafia. Oh yes, and so we will talk about all of that, and uh, all of us will be on that show. And I will tell you that uh, Dan and Big Ben will have on February the second the return of Scott Teal on that show. That will be a wrestling episode. And on February the 4th, um, I will be here with the actor impressionist Pete Wilcox, who was known as America's TV Elvis, who appeared on the Murphy Brown show with Candace Bergen, the Sandy Duncan show, Charles in Charge with Scott Bayo. Bayo? Bayo? How do you say it, Dan? Scott Bayo. Bayo. Bayo? Okay. I'm Italian. I still don't know how to say Bayo Bayo. Um... But he was, uh, he's been on, um, of course, uh, Joni Loves Chachi and Happy Days and Laverne and Shirley and any number of, of incredibly popular shows back in the 1970s and 80s. Pete Wilcox, America's TV Elvis, will be here for the entire show. And Dan and Ben have a, uh, a couple of important shows the week of February 9th. So we've got the... Uh, a very special look at New Jersey's place in the world of professional wrestling. It is a, an important place in wrestling history, considering if you look at, at the guys and the men and women who have been the major players, all came from this area. New Jersey has been kind of a, uh, a proving ground of sorts for you know, for the people who have the haves and the have-nots. Right. If you made it in this area, then you were pretty well guaranteed a shot at stardom. Um, and if not, then you worked for the National Wrestling Club. <laughs> Don't get Oh. <laughs> ah, shit. And on February 11th, Patricia Summerland, Candy Devine, and Scott Casey. God help you guys all. Because you got three of them on that show. Uh, Scott Casey is manageable, but you got two women you got to deal with and Scott. So 
Dan, you got your work cut out for you on that that episode, brother. Of course. February 9th, Candy Devine and Patricia Summerlin from Glow. I think her name was, I'm wanting to say Hollywood. Was that her name, Hollywood? Maybe. I'd, I'd have to I'd yeah, think about you, that. Yeah, Glow made an impression on you too, huh? Well, it was, uh, I mean, the little little around, you know, I think, I think of my age and when that was on. So, Benny, do you remember Glow, Benny? Not really. I'll be real honest with you. And that therein lies part of the problem. They had a really interesting following. Their following was guys. I'm not even kidding. Their demographic was like 25 to 55 male. White male, 25 to 55, uneducated high school dropouts who loved watching these women wrestle. Wrestle. Not wrestle. They wrestled. There was a wrestling company, Dan Man. Mm. Wrestling. By God, Jim and the Cricket, wrestling. And I hate that word, wrestling. It's wrestling. If you can't get it right, then don't to get out of the fucking business. <laughs> it's wrestling, and it's gone, and it's never coming back. So. Any parting words, Dan, Benny, anything you want to tell people? Uh, uh, Benny, go ahead. Or right. have I taken well, uh, my, my new story dropped yesterday called All-Star Wrestling, yes. Five Unsung Heroes of Saturday Morning. And it just talks about, you know, how it was back in the day when we, you know, we got, we sat in front of our TV sets on Saturday morning and we heard, and my name is Joe McHugh. You weren't going anywhere for the next hour. You know, Joe McHugh. Absolutely. I'm and, telling you, know, you one. There's, there's probably going to be a part two. I, I highlighted five of the guys from Saturday morning, but there were so many more than that. And, uh, oh, my God. Are you shitting me, please? That was, <laughs> but I tell you what, you took five of the best. Right. You took five of the best. And that was, I popped when I read that, by the way. I, and I don't pop over a lot of stuff. I'm, I'm so jaded. I, I really am. I'm so sorry, but I really am. I'm so jaded to this business. You know, like I said, you know, being a fan and then getting into the business, I'll tell you what killed my love of the business. The business. That's what killed my love of wrestling, the wrestling business. Mm. Yeah. It's the, you know. You became it was, too uh, smart, Angelo, right? Huh? So you became too smart. It, well, yeah. And it's not only that, but. In some ways, I became spoiled because of it. Because I got in at a time when it was still pro wrestling. You got to understand something. I'm 62 years old. And you're, you're a couple years older than me, Ben. You're like 64, 65, right? 65. Okay. And so I'm 62 years old. I've been in this in this business for 48 years. Okay. I want you to think about that. I got my first paid job in this business when I was 12, 13 years old. Yeah, early and, the, and legit putting up the ring. Right. But they paid me for it. I was a fan when I was five, six, seven. I'm working in the business when I'm 13. You grew up in the business. Literally. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and the business corrupts you. And it spoils you in, in some regards. 
and it gives you the best it has. And then, like everything else, the, you know, the business give it and the business take it away. Right. And that's what happened. So, Dan, what do you yes, got for before I let you go? Uh, well, I mean, obviously, we talked about the shows, uh, Wrestling Future, uh, Wrestling with the Future, the podcast. We could be found anywhere podcasts are sold. We're on uh, Twitter. Or I, I believe we dropped Twitter. Is that correct? We are no longer. Oh, yes. I need to address something, and it's really important. I am uh, out of political protest. I am making a statement. We will no longer be on Instagram. We will no longer be on Twitter. As long as they continue to censure people, uh, I will not be a part of that. I am on Facebook out of sheer necessity. If I could trust someone to handle our Facebook accounts, I would drop Facebook now. But I do not like it. I don't like what it stands for. I don't like I don't like censorship in any form or fashion. I am a free thinker. I am a free speaker, and I don't approve of uh, the blatant stepping on the uh, Constitution and the Bill of Rights, uh, and no one will silence me. I will not be silenced by Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. That's just not who I am. I'm not wired that way. So um, you know, you know, we're, we're not going to deal with those people. Right. We're not going well, to deal with them. I, yeah, I wanted to make sure because I know you talked about it. So there's the announcement. Um, obviously, we're, we're anywhere podcast can be found, and we're on Facebook, Wrestling with the Future podcast. And I am toying around with the idea of um, uh, of doing something really dramatic with the show. I'm not going to hold off on it because when I do make the announcement, it's going to be on the air with everybody here. Um, big, so I'm going to hold on. Coming up. Huh? Big swerve coming up. Oh, it's it's not gonna it's not really a swerve. It's it huge, may be like, like a kick in the side of the head by a mule. Huge, huge <laughs> news, bro. Huge news, bro. All right, for Big Ben Scala, hashtag Scala from Ocala, now of Newport Richie, by the way, of Brooklyn. And Dan the Man Sebastiano, the happy haberdasher, the smartest guy in the room. I'm Angelo DeCipio. Take care. Happy wrestling, everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Good night.